have our members stand. If you're a first-time visitor, remain seated for just one second. The ushers will come down the aisle. They have a little guest packet we want to give to you, and you'll find some things in there for you. And once you get the packet, go ahead and stand with us and sing with us. Don't you love the Lord this morning? I tell you what. Peter said unto you, therefore, that believe he is precious. And that word precious there is actually a noun. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is preciousness. And it's a word that means that if removed, it would be impossible to replace. And you can't replace it. I'm glad that I know him today, don't you? I've come today just looking forward to what the Lord has for us. And let's open our hearts. You want to come and gather around the altar to pray? Do so right now. And let's take this service to the Lord and just ask the Lord to move in our hearts. Father, we thank you now for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. Now take this service today, Lord, and use it to help us to love the Lord Jesus Christ more. We owe you so much. And Father, we ask you, Lord, to help us to love you the way that you deserve to be loved. Now touch this service and anoint it, moving every heart. And we'll praise you and thank you for it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen. Let's sing and worship. Don't have the words on the screen we thought we had them up there and we don't but i think you can pick up on it if you don't already know it we'll sing it a few times fairer than the lilies Let's turn around and shake hands and fellowship. Welcome our visitors today. Let them know how glad we are to have
Let's let our ushers come forward to receive our offering. <clears throat> and if you are visiting with us today, we want you to know we're certainly thrilled about you being here today and worshiping with us. And if you received a little guest packet a moment ago, there's a little card on the inside. If you'll take that out, fill it out, and just drop it in the offering plate in a moment, we'd like to send you some information this week about the church. And again, we're so thankful for all of you that are visiting with us. Real quickly, let me just make mention of a couple of things. Just want to remind you in our bulletin, we have our church-wide Christmas fellowship tonight that will be over in the Family Life Center. Uh, just bring snacks, sandwiches, different things like that. It's always a good time, and we'll have a time of fellowship after the service tonight. And then I want to remind you, two weeks from today, the fifth Sunday, the last Sunday of this month, is, uh, our, uh, is a Sunday that we have designated our special offering, our last special offering this year for the building fund. But I emphasize our last special offering <clears throat> this year. I just I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying, amen? But uh, fifth Sunday, I want you to be praying about it and uh, give and make a special gift to our building fund on the day. We're excited about where we're going. We're excited about how things are coming together. And your giving is very, very critical to it. We set a goal in this last five months to raise $100,000. We're just right at that, so we're going to go over our goal. And, uh, but then we start different things, and the building involves so many things. Uh, of course, there's raising the money that we're only going to borrow so much. There's raising so much money to make up the difference. And then, of course, there's buying additional property. There's paving lots and different things like that. So all of your giving helps us to reach these goals. And what we'll probably be doing and be doing is uh, the first 100000 we raise, we set it over here in the building fund, saving it for the construction itself. Then the next 100000 will be to buy additional property or whatever we do with parking, paving lots, and all that kind of thing. Then the next 100000 goes in the building and so on. And by the time we actually completed everything, we'll fall right in together. So the next 100000 is going, coming up, and I hope that you'll give a special offering for the final Sunday of this month, and all of this will go to help us to buy additional property. We have some prospects on some property, and uh, someone made an offer to us. We came back with the counter offer, and uh, they called on Friday. I missed them, so I'll be talking to them tomorrow, so see if they received our counter offer. But uh, we'll be buying more property, so you give and make a special gift in doing so. We received a check this week, uh, a dear lady that visited here. She is from Arkansas, and she was in the Chattanooga area for a few weeks uh, working in this area, and she attended here while she was uh, working in the Chattanooga area, but she sent us a check for $500 this week and to use, and we appreciate that, and we appreciate folks like that. <clears throat> I'm looking forward to that millionaire that visits. Amen right there billionaire. I've sent a letter to Bill Gates, invited him to be here one Sunday. But uh, it's exciting to see how the Lord provides. So, you, But you pray about that. We're excited about it. I called this week. We're having a 3D video that is being prepared. I called to see how it was doing. We was hoping to get here by Christmas, but it looks like it'll be at the first of the year to get here. A professional company has to do this. But this is where they actually took pictures of our existing buildings and then they use a computer to generate a picture of what the new building would be like. And they put them all together. And uh, you're able to see it from the outside. You're able to go on the inside. It's almost like just walking around the building, going through the front door, walking into the new building. You'll be able to see our new color schemes, uh, pews, everything that we're putting into it. 
you'll be able to see that. So we're hoping, they said it would be around the 1st of January we'll get that, and you'll be excited when you see that. But again, all of your giving, you want to give, encourage many of you to give something over and above your tithing offerings every week, but especially the last Sunday of this month, two weeks from today, pray about a very, very special gift. Wednesday night, we'll be making a change in our services in here. We'll be meeting over in the Family Life Center. We'll be doing some work this week on the building. We're getting ready for the TV ministry. The lights have been installed. Now we've got to get power to them. And so we're having to redo all of our power supply here. It's been way overloaded for a number of years. We've been hanging on by the skin of our teeth for a number of years, so this is a good opportunity for us to do it. So we will not have any power in these buildings on Wednesday night, so we'll be next door in the Family Life Center. So mark that, and then we'll get all that done, and hopefully after the first of the year, uh, we'll begin uh, letting, giving you more details about when we actually begin broadcasting our services. So remember that Wednesday night will be in the Family Life Center. And then all of our ushers, before you leave, be sure to see Larry Johnston. Appreciate it so much. Justified has all their tapes and stuff out in the lobby. You can pick those up today if you'd like to get some for a gift and things like that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for all you're doing and for how you're blessing. And we ask you, Lord, to continue to move and continue to bless. Now take this service and again, use it to just draw us closer to you. And we'll praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself, but is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know, I'm so thankful that I'm saved by God's amazing grace. And no matter what I've done, no matter where I've been, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, it's His grace. He makes us trophies of grace. And I'm so thankful that He takes my sin and He throws it in the depths of the sea. God's grace is amazing. Trophy of Caesar. 
of God, where would we be? And all the chances he gives us. Oh, his long suffering has reached out to us so many times. I thank you. You see, Lord, in your life today, the Lordship and salvation are two different things. You see, I bowed on my knees at five years old and asked the Lord to save me, and he came into my heart to live. But at 15 years old, I knelt and I made him Lord of my life, and he never let me forget it. Every time my heart would stray, every time I'd fail him, he'd come wooing me back to himself. I thank you for that today. 
Wonderful. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 2. Hebrews, chapter 2, be finding your place there, and we'll be looking at the Scripture this morning. I rejoice at the people that have already responded this morning and those that have already come for various reasons, and uh, just remind you, that's why we're here. That's our purpose in gathering, is to meet the Lord. Amen? I want you to stand as we honor the reading of His Word. As you know now, for a number of weeks, we've been looking at questions in the Bible, great questions in the Bible. I want you to look at another one with me this morning. In Hebrews chapter 2, we begin reading in verse 1. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. The Bible said, Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. Now, here's the question in verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Thank you. you. May be seated. Let's look at that question this morning. I'll share with you some things today that I want you to let the Lord speak to your heart about. Let's pray. Our Father, this morning we're so thankful for how you've already met needs and hearts and lives we bless you for it. We ask you to continue to move. We thank you so much for that blessed river that is within us. Jesus, a river that Jesus spoke about that would flow out of us. We thank you so much for it. Now, we come to that river at this moment asking now that you would fill us and anoint us and use us for the next few moments. This is your word. I yield myself to be your servant. So use me today now in the giving and the declaring of your word, for it is in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things, amen. I'm sure that everyone in this room this morning is aware that things have a tendency to change over time. You know that. I know that. We're all changing. Can I get an amen right there? I think about since I have come here, I have changed in many ways. I've not got taller but I have got wider. You change over time. In fact, I ran across something one time called the stages of a cold that illustrates how things tend to change over time. And it describes a husband's reactions to his wife's colds during the first seven years of marriage. In the first year when the wife gets a cold, the husband says, Sugar dumpling, I'm really worried about you. You've had a bad sniffle. And there's no telling about these things with all the strep that's going around. I'm going to put you into the hospital. In the second year, the husband says, Listen, darling, I don't like the sound of that cough, and I've called the doctor to rush over here. Now you go to bed and be a good girl. 
In the third year, the husband says, maybe you better lie down, honey. There's nothing like a little rest when you feel lousy. I'll bring you something. Do we have any canned soup? In the fourth year, the husband says, now look, dear, be sensible. After you feed the kids and do the dishes and mop the floor, you better get some rest. In the fifth year, the husband says, why don't you take a couple of aspirins? In the sixth year, the husband says, I wish you'd just gargle or something instead of sitting around barking like a seal all afternoon. <laughs> Sound familiar? But then in the seventh year, the husband says, for Pete's sake, stop that sneezing. What are you trying to do? Give me pneumonia? Amen. As I said, things tend to change over the years. Well, in the question before us, we find the first of five warnings that are given in the book of Hebrews. These five warnings are like parentheses or interjections in the book to remind us of certain dangers that we face as a believer. And in this first warning in Hebrews chapter 2, we are given a warning that reminds us that if we're not careful, things can change in our life as a believer. So I want you to look at the question this morning, and I want to, you, to encourage you to open your heart to what the Lord might have to say for to us today. I want you to look at these three things. The first is this. I want you to notice a call to be attentive. There is a call to be attentive in our text. We read in verse 1. Notice it again. Hebrews 2 verse 1, we read, Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. In that statement, we're reminded of the place that the Word of God is to have in our life as a believer. We're reminded of the attitude that we ought to have concerning the Word of God. Look at the statement. Let's look at it a little more carefully. You notice the statement. And first of all, I want you to notice that it talks about our hearing of the Word. Our hearing of the Word. The statement speaks of our hearing of the Word of God. It talks about the things which we have heard. And when he talks about the things which we have heard, we're given a description of the Word of God being heard publicly. It implies a public hearing of the Word of God. It embraces the thought of the Word of God being preached. That's what you're doing now. You are hearing the Word as the Word of God is being preached. Well, let me just say a couple of things about this matter. I'll not put these points on the screen, but I just want to make these comments about this hearing of the Word, this public hearing of the Word. When I think about a public hearing of the Word, I am reminded, for one thing, the preacher is to preach God's Word. It's like Paul said to Timothy, preach the Word. There is an instruction to preach the Word of God. And I have discovered through the years, and I have learned through the years, that there is a difference between preaching from the Word and actually preaching the Word. Again, there's a big difference. There's a big difference in someone just taking the Bible and preaching from the Bible and somebody actually taking the Bible and preaching the Bible. I remember when I was in school, I took several classes in homiletics, and homiletics is basically just the art of sermon preparation and different things like that. And I remember in that classes, I learned that there were different kinds of sermons. There is what you call a topical sermon, and that's where a preacher will take a topic and they'll preach on that topic. And they'll find a verse or verses in the Bible that relate to that topic or illustrate that topic, and then they will use those verses to get the sermon started or use them through what I am taking as my topic this morning, ambition without cause. 
And he said, I have selected, and we'll read from the Mother Goose book of our childhood days, the story of old Mother Hubbard. This is our text. Old Mother Hubbard, she went to the cupboard to get her poor dog a bone, and when she got there, the cupboard was bare, and the poor little dog had none. He said, my topic again is ambition without cause, old Mother Hubbard. Here's his message. Mother Hubbard, you see, was old. There being no mention of Mr. Hubbard, we are to presume that she was alone, a widow, a poor, friendless, helpless widow. Yet did she despair? No, dear friends, I'm happy to say no, that she went to the cupboard. Oh, isn't this beautiful? We have seen that she was old and lonely, and now we further see that she was poor. Oh, mark those words, the cupboard. Not one of the cupboards, not the right-hand cupboard, nor the left-hand cupboard, nor the one above, nor the one below, but just the one solitary, measly little cupboard that the poor widow had. And all of God's people would say amen. And now the question arises, the question why? Why did she go to the cupboard? There's the catch. There's the sticker. There's where the brightest minds have fallen down. But I go a step further. I go so far now as to picture, to imagine that we are dogs. The poor dog lounging in the corner. He's looking wistfully at the cupboard. And the poor widow is going forward with hope and with expectations. Dear friend, she was old, but she was ambitious, and she was full of pep. And he said, that finishes my talk. While we now rise, brother, would you pass the plate and we'll sing that well-known hymn, Go Tell Ain't Rody. Well, I guess you could call that a topical sermon. Amen? But there's another type of preaching. It's called expositional preaching. And that's where a preacher takes a text and he will preach from that text and he explains to the people what the text says and then he exhorts them and encourages them to apply what they learn from that text to their life. It is my opinion and personal conviction that's what preaching is all about. Preaching is not just preaching from the Word. I believe when the Bible said preach the Word, it meant to preach the Word. I am to do more than just preach from the Bible. I am to preach you the Bible. And you have the right to expect that any time you come here on Sunday, you're going to hear a sermon from the Word of God. Amen? But furthermore, may I say, there is not only the preaching of the Word, but there is your hearing of the Word of God. The things which we have heard, there has been a public giving of the Word. They have heard that Word. You see, when the Word of God is preached, you have a responsibility before God to hear the Word of God. It's like James said in James 1.19, be swift to hear. And the ideal is that you take every opportunity you have to hear the Word of God. When you come to church, you ought to come with an open heart. And you ought to come with a hungry heart to hear the Word of God. There's a matter of hearing the Word. But look at something else. We not only see our hearing of the Word, but in verse 1 we also see our heeding the Word. There is the hearing of the Word, the things which we have heard. But look at verse 1 again. He said we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. Underscore the word heed. The Word speaks of being attentive to what we hear to being attentive to what is being proclaimed and preached. In other words, when the Word of God is being preached, we are to be attentive to the Word of God. Can I say this morning that when the Word of God is being preached, and it matters not the style, it matters not whether someone is fiery or someone is real quiet, if it's the Word of God, then you are to hear the Word of God. 
And you're to be attentive to the Word of God. When the Word of God is being preached, it's not a time to write and pass notes. It's not a time to thumb through the hymn book. It's not a time to think about what you're going to be doing this afternoon. It's not a time to be planning your schedule for the coming week. It's a time to hear the Word of God. I think about one Sunday school teacher that asked her class why it was necessary to keep quiet in church. And one little fellow raised his hand and said, because people are sleeping. Well, may I say this morning that preaching time is not nap time. It's not a time to get caught up on your sleep. I heard about one that wonders sometimes why people come to church. I heard about a couple that was going home after church and the wife asked her husband if she noticed the new dress that so-and-so had on in the service that morning. And the husband said he hadn't noticed. And the wife looked at him and said, Well, my stars, what a lot of good the service did for you. Well, I wonder why we come. We come to hear the Word of God. And when we come to hear the Word of God, we're to be attentive to what we hear. He said we are to give the more earnest heed to what we hear. The words more earnest speak of superabundance, that which is exceeding. The ideal is that we are to be an eager hearer of the Word, and we're to be an earnest hearer of the Word. And we not only are attentive to the Word, but we apply what we hear to our lives. You see, my friend, it's not just enough to listen to a sermon. It's not just enough to hear the Word of God. We are to obey the Word of God. We are to be attentive to the Word and to apply the Word in our life. It's like James said, be ye doers of the Word and not hearers only. The preaching of the Word should teach you something. And what you learn, you should apply. It is a call to be attentive, to give them more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. But look at the second thing I want you to notice. You not only see in our text a call to be attentive, but you'll also notice in verse 1 there is a condition to be avoided. In verse 1, you're given the reason for the call to be attentive. We're to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. Now notice, lest at any time we should let them slip. In verse 1, we're given a warning about letting the truths of God and the things of God slip in our life. It is a state, the statement is describing a condition that we can get to in our life as a believer, a condition that we are to avoid as a child of God. Now, I underscore the word slip for just a moment. It's a very interesting word. It is a very picturesque word. The word was used in a variety of ways. Let me just point out a few of them and then make application of that particular usage of the word. For one thing, when I think about the word slip and how the word is used, it speaks to me of a one, a distracted condition. The word speaks to me of a distracted condition. For example, the word slip was a word that was sometimes used to describe a ring slipping off someone's finger or a ring falling off of someone's finger. And when I think of that picture and that usage of the word, I see someone that is careless. I see someone that is distracted. There is a ring on their finger. But they're not mindful of that ring. They are careless in their actions. They're not paying attention. They're distracted by something else, not being mindful or careful of the ring. And the result is the ring slips off. Now, you listen to me this morning. As a child of God, there are certain things that we must be mindful of in our life. And there are certain things that we must guard. And there are certain things that we must protect. But I'm mindful there are times when we become distracted. 
We get our eyes off of that which is eternal. And we get our eyes off that which is important. And the result is we become careless in our Christian life. We don't watch our lives. We don't guard our lives. We're careless, distracted by the things around us. And the result is we find ourselves slipping. I think about some pallbearers that were carrying the casket out of a woman that had died. And as they were going out the door, they were distracted by a noise in the parking lot, and they accidentally bumped the wall with the casket. And when they bumped the wall with the casket, they heard a moan from within, and they opened the casket to find the woman still alive. She lived 10 more years and then died. Well, after the funeral, as the pallbearers were going out the door, the husband come running up and said, be, be, be careful, careful, watch that wall, amen. Well, let me say, <laughs> there's some things we ought to be watchful and mindful and careful about. We have to be watchful of our spiritual life. You get that in a minute. When we become distracted by this world, we become careless and we find ourselves slipping in our Christian life. But there's something else about the Word. I, not only does it speak to me of a distracted life, but it speaks to me of a distant condition, a distracted condition and a distant condition. The Word was not only used to describe a ring slipping off someone's finger, but it was also used to describe a ship that was not anchored properly or moored properly at the dock. And the result was the winds and the currents caused that ship to drift away from the dock. Slowly but surely, the ship drifted away from where it was supposed to be. Now, if we're not careful in our life as a believer, we can find ourselves drifting from God. We can find ourselves allowing the currents and the winds of this world pulling us away from the Lord. It's not a noticeable thing, but yet slowly but surely we find the currents of this world pulling us away and putting a distance between ourselves and God. Again, it doesn't, it's not always something that just happens. And I've seen this many, many times through the years. What happens is you see someone start missing on Sunday night. And they don't miss every Sunday night, but they'll miss a Sunday night here, and they'll miss a Sunday night there, and then it becomes a little more regular, and before you know it in time, they're completely out of church on Sunday night. Then in a while, they begin missing a Sunday morning here, and then they begin missing a Sunday morning here. And then they begin missing more and more until in time, they are completely out of church altogether. Now, it didn't happen overnight. It was like a ship slowly drifting from the dock. And if we're not careful, the world and the currents and the winds of this world can pull us away from our fellowship with God and put a distance between ourselves and God. It is a distant condition. But also the Word speaks to me not only of a, of a distant condition, but of a dry condition. The word not only was used to describe a ring slipping from someone's finger and a ship not anchored properly drifting from the dock, but the word was sometimes used to describe a vessel that was cracked and the contents were leaking out of that vessel. Imagine in your mind this vessel, and that vessel is full. There's a fullness there, but yet there's a crack in that vessel, and that leads to an emptiness in their life. The Bible in Ephesians 3.19 speaks of every believer being filled with the fullness of God. We're to be filled with God's power. We're to be filled with God's presence. Ephesians 5.18 talks about being filled with the Spirit. But I'm afraid in many cases we are a leaky vessel and we find ourselves spiritually empty and spiritually dry. 
Instead of being filled with the fullness of God, instead of being filled with the Spirit of God, instead of being filled with joy, filled with power, filled with presence, we find ourselves somewhere empty. We find ourselves somewhere spiritually dry. And it's all because of those little hairline cracks in our life. It's not a matter that the vessel suddenly is broken and we find ourselves suddenly empty before God. No, it's those little hairline cracks. And slowly we're losing our power. And slowly we lose our joy. It's like Samson. The Bible said that he wist not that the Spirit had departed from him. Samson, a man of fullness, suddenly found himself, found himself as a man of emptiness and he didn't even realize that he was losing his power. He didn't even realize he lost his power. A dry condition. But the word also reminds me not only of a dry condition and a distant condition and a distracted condition, but it also speaks to me of a defeated condition. The root of the word actually means to flow like a river. The root of the word actually describes a river flowing by and a river flowing by to a future and further destination. And when I think of that usage of the word in my mind's eye, I see someone standing on the riverbank watching the river flow by, watching the water flow by them, going on around the bend, flowing on to a further and a future destination. The picture brings to my mind someone that used to be in God's work, used to be serving God, used to love the Lord, used to be faithful to God, but they allowed something to get them out of the work. Instead of going on with God and going with God, they're left standing on the bank somewhere. I've known people through the years that let some little thing get them upset. Let some little thing hurt them. Let some little thing bother them. Let some little thing disturb them. And what they did is they quit. They gave up their class. They quit serving here. They quit working there. And they just kind of sat down. You might say they just got out of the river and they stood on the bank. But I want to remind you this morning, God doesn't stop the river to wait on me or to wait on you. The river goes on with me or without me. I can go with the river or I can stand on the bank. But it's a picture that reminds me of where we can get to when we begin to slip in our life. We find ourselves distracted. We find ourselves defeated. We find ourselves spiritually empty before God. We find ourselves away from God. It is a warning about a condition to avoid. Don't let these things slip in your life. But here's the third thing and the main thing I want you to see. You not only have this call to be attentive, to give the more earnest seed to the things which we have heard, and a condition to avoid, lest at any time we should let them slip. But thirdly, there is a cause to be alarmed. For everything verse 1 and 2 says, and verse 1 we've considered in verse 1, leads to the question that we're considering today. And our question contains a warning that every believer should take very, very, very seriously. If you hadn't listened to a thing I say, I want you to listen for me the next 10 minutes. I want you to listen to it. Verse 2 and 3, look at it. The Bible said, for if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Now, most of the time when I have heard verse 3 preached on, it has always been used in regard to sinners rejecting salvation. And I don't believe that any harm is done to the teaching of the Bible to use it that way, but that's not what it's talking about. 
It is not a warning given to people that are lost about rejecting salvation. It is a warning that's given to people that are saved and they have received salvation. For if you notice carefully, the writer himself includes himself in this warning. He says, how shall we escape? For he's very much aware that the warning that he's giving is, involves himself as much as it does anyone else. And so he's including himself in this matter. And that's one of the reasons I know that it's a warning that's given to the believer. But furthermore, notice carefully, that it's not talking about rejecting salvation. It's talking about neglecting salvation. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? What is neglecting our salvation? I want you to look in Matthew 22 and verse 5. In fact, I'll put it on the screen for you so you save you the time from turning. But you write it down and mark this. I want you to look at Matthew 22 and verse 5. What does it mean to neglect salvation? Matthew 22, notice verse 5. Matthew 22, 5 said, But they made light of it and went their ways. I look at that statement there. They made light of it. See those words, light of it, made light? The words made light is the same word translated neglect in Hebrews 2 verse 3. You could say Matthew 22, 5, but they neglected it and went their ways. And you could say of Hebrews 2, 3, that how shall we escape if we make light of our great salvation? What he's talking about here is a warning about taking lightly the things of God. Taking lightly certain things. And when you look at the text, there are two specific things he talks about taking lightly. Jot, jot them down. Let me get them to you quickly. Number one, he talks about taking our salvation lightly. Our salvation is called a so great salvation in verse 3. And may I say this morning, our salvation is indeed a great salvation. We sung a while ago about being a trophy of grace. I want you to know why. Listen, we should have went to hell, but we're trophies of God's grace today. That's salvation. It's a so great salvation. And the word great means vast. Our salvation is so vast that a person could spend his lifetime learning about it and never learn all that there is to know about our great salvation. But here's the warning. Don't take your salvation lightly. Don't take what God has done for you in saving your hell-deserving soul. Don't take it lightly. Don't make light of it. Could it be there's someone in this building today that is taking his or her salvation lightly? Could it be that some of us are making light of our salvation? Considering the warning in the light of our context, it would seem to say that when we take lightly our opportunities to attend the house of God and to hear the word of God, we're taking our salvation lightly. And the truth of the matter is, whatever God says in his word for us to do, and we do not pay attention to that, we do not apply that in our life, we are taking our salvation lightly. Whenever God commands us to do something, and we don't do it. It doesn't matter whether it be in church attendance. It doesn't matter whether we are in the subject of tithing or service or whatever. If you fail and I fail to obey what God says, it's the same thing as taking our salvation lightly. And I guess what I ought to be asking this morning is how could we ever take lightly our so great salvation? When to realize, friend, that, that God so loved this world that he sent his only begotten son to die for people like you and me. 
to die for sinners like us and then to save us and to change us and to wash our sins away and give us eternal life and a heavenly home. How could we ever think about taking lightly our salvation? But it's a warning. Don't take your salvation lightly. But look at the second thing. Not only is there a warning about taking our salvation lightly, but there's a warning about taking our sin lightly. And that's the heart of the question. The matter of taking sin lightly is the heart and soul of our question. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Look at verse 2 again. Now follow me now. Verse 2, the Bible said, For the word spoken by angels was steadfast. And every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. Stop there for a moment, and let's look at that verse. The writer talks about the word spoken by angels. And this is a reference to one of the ways that God spoke in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, God spoke in various ways. He spoke in dreams. He spoke in visions. He spoke through prophets. He spoke through angels. And our text, Hebrews 2, verse 2, is a reference to the times when God spoke through angels or sent His Word by angels. And He describes that Word spoken as being steadfast. That is, the Word was reliable. The Word was true. And the ideal is that since it was the Word of God, even though it came through angels, it was a Word to be obeyed. It was a Word to be followed. But notice in verse 2. He not only talks about the word the angels spoke, and I'm leading to something, but he also talks about every transgression and every disobedience. Underscore the word transgression. Underscore the word disobedience. It's like he chose two words to sum up sin in any category you want to put it in. The word transgressions is a word that describes stepping over a line of violating a command of God. It's like God has put a boundary out here and there's a sign, do not pass. And transgression is when we know that we're not to go over that line, but we go over that line anyway. We transgress. We violate the command of God. We cross the line. We know that we should not do it, but yet we do it anyway. It's what we sometimes call the sins of commission. It is doing what we know that we should not do. If you look at the word disobedience, it's actually a word that speaks of our inattention to a command that has been given. In this case, it is our failure to do what is right. Transgression is that we do what we know we should not do. We do what is wrong. But in the word disobedience, it is a failure to do what we know we should do. We fail to do that which is right. We often call this the sins of omission. See, there are some things that we know we should do. Am I not right? And when we fail to do the things that we should do, then what we are doing is we're violating the command of God or we're giving inattention to a command that God has given. We're being disobedient. We're not doing that which we have been told to do. Now, look at the seriousness of the whole matter. It doesn't matter whether it's doing wrong, what you know you should not do, or not doing what you know you should do, he tells us in verse 3 or verse 2 there that they received a just recompense of reward. In just everyday down-home language, what the writer is saying is that whether it's doing what is wrong or not doing what is right, those sins were punished. They received a just recompense of reward. In other words, what the writer is saying is you don't take sin lightly you don't make light of sin 
And again, it doesn't matter if you're doing wrong, doing what you know is wrong, or you're not doing what you know is right, you cannot and I cannot afford to take sin lightly. There is a payday for sin. And somewhere, somehow, God will deal with our sin. Now, here's the question. In light of that, the question then comes up, how shall we escape if we take lightly our sin and our salvation? Look at that question. You need to understand that question. I want you to learn the question. I want you to understand what it's saying because there's a very solemn and a serious truth in this question that we all need to understand this morning. Are you with me? The force of the question goes back to Hebrews 1 and verse 2. It goes back to the very beginning of the book where the Bible said that God hath in these last days spoken unto us, spoken unto us by His Son. See that, Hebrews 1, 2? That God hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son. At the very beginning of the book of Hebrews, the writer's letting us know what Hebrews is all about. He's telling us that God now speaks to us through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, He no longer speaks to us through dreams. He no longer speaks to us through visions. He no longer speaks to us through angels. He speaks to us through the Word of the Lord Jesus Christ. He speaks to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. And that is precisely the point in our question. That if what God said through angels was steadfast, and every act of transgression and disobedience of the Word they spoke received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape the punishment of sin, seeing that we have personally received our orders from Jesus Christ Himself? If they receive punishment from word given through angels, how about us? How do we think we're going to get by when we've been told by the Lord Himself of the things of God? If they did not escape punishment for disobeying God's commandments delivered by angels, then we certainly, we certainly will not escape punishment when the Word has been delivered by the Son Himself. What he's saying to us is that you cannot, I cannot take sin lightly. We live in a generation that has so uh, taken the sting out of sin and taken the punishment out of sin and the consequences out of sin. But I want you to listen to me. It doesn't matter what the papers say. It doesn't matter what Washington say. It doesn't matter what the psychologists say or the sociologists say. Sin is sin. And somewhere there is a payday for sin. Somewhere there's consequences to be reaped for sin. I ran across, a little, ran across a little piece one time entitled, Some Things We Can't Do. And it goes like this. We can't sow bad habits and reap a good character. We can't sow jealousy and hatred and reap love and friendship. We can't sow wicked thoughts and reap a clean life. We can't sow wrong deeds and live righteously. We can't sow crime and get away with it. We can't sow dissipation, dissipation and reap a healthy body. We can't sow crooked dealings and succeed indefinitely. We can't sow self-indulgence and not show it in your face. You can't sow disloyalty and reap loyalty from others. You can't sow dishonesty, dishonesty and reap integrity. You can't sow profane words and reap clean speech. You can't sow disrespect and reap respect. You can't sow deception and reap confidence. 
You can't sow untidiness and reap neatness. You can't sow intemperance and reap sobriety and temperance. You can't sow indifference and reap nature's rewards. You can't sow mental or physical laziness and reap a responsible position in society. You can't sow cruelty and reap kindness. You can't sow wastefulness and reap thriftiness. You can't sow cowardice and reap courage. You can't sow destruction of other people's property and reap protection of your own. You can't sow greed and envy and reap generosity. You can't sow neglect of the Lord's house and reap strength and temptation. You can't sow neglect of the Bible and reap a well-guided life. You can't sow human thistles and reap human roses. And I would add one more to that. You can't sow the seeds of sin and not have a harvest. You know what many do? They want to sow their wild oats and pray for crop failure. But I want to tell you something. You can't sow sin without receiving a just recompense of reward. I read just this past week, and I'll give you this, I read just this past week about the state of Washington a number of years ago. A number of years ago, they passed a law taxing the retail sales of gasoline. Just like we pay taxes on our gas. They passed a law taxing the retail sales, sales of gasoline. But when the law was passed, the legislator slipped up on one important detail. They forgot to attach a penalty to the violation of the law. So there was a law saying you had to pay taxes on the retail sale of gasoline, but there was no penalty for not paying those taxes. And so for a while, the uh, dealers began collecting and paying the taxes, but then they realized there was no penalty for not paying them, so they quit paying them. So it didn't matter. I'm supposed to pay it, but since there is no penalty for not paying it, I'm not going to pay it. So the legislator then had to be called back into a special session in order to attach a penalty to a violation of the tax law, and they even made it retroactive. And I read that, and I thought, boy, there's one thing that's absolutely certain. There is a penalty when there's a violation of God's laws. And there is no law of God that can be broken without a penalty that has not been fixed from eternity. You cannot sin and get by with it. You cannot take sin lightly. Look at me. I would be a fool to think that I could live any way I please and would not reap the consequences of it. How shall I escape seeing that Jesus himself has given me the word? How shall I escape if I take life? You can do one of two things with your sin today. I give you this one through. You can do one of two things with your sin. You can deal with it, or you can let God deal with it. You can, do, you, you can do something about your sin, or you can leave it up to God and let Him take care of it. Say, how do I deal with sin? I tell you what, if you'll deal with sin, all you've got to do is as 1 John 1, 9 said, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You deal with your sin, you come to God, and dealing with it is not just crying a few tears on the altar. It's dealing with it. It's getting it right. It's purging it from your life. And if you'll deal with it, God will forgive you and wash you as white as snow. Aren't you glad for that? But if you won't deal with it, then don't worry about it. Somewhere God will deal with it. You see, God, he, wants, he, he can do one of two things. He can forgive you or punish you. It's entirely up to you. But you be sure of one thing. You violate the law of God, there's a penalty for it. You don't break God's law without paying for it. You can do one of two things. You can come to God and say, God, I've crossed the line. God, I've violated your law, and I want you to forgive me. And God will forgive you, and it'll never be brought up again. But if you don't, somewhere, 
there'll be a time. There'll be a just recompense of reward. How shall we escape? We can't. We can't unless we come to the cross. Let's stand to our feet, please. The writer of Hebrews said, I want you to listen. I want you to listen to the word with the more earnest heed. I want you to listen lest you let these truths slip in your life. Don't take your salvation lightly. Don't take sin lightly. Could there be those in the building today, you're saved, but you really haven't treated the Lord Jesus like you should. You've taken your salvation lightly. You're so great salvation. You're wonderful salvation. God's amazing grace in your life. The thought of his salvation ought to bring us to him saying, Lord, I love you. I'll serve you. I'll do anything you want me to do. I'll follow you. I'll be anything you want me to be. Amen? It ought to. It ought to. Maybe here today and you've been taking your salvation lightly. Maybe somebody here been taking sin lightly. Here's the warning. Don't take sin lightly. Don't take salvation lightly. How shall we escape? If we neglect so great salvation, the answer is obviously no. How? Can't. Unless we come to the Lord. You come to Him today. Will you do that? We're going to sing in just a moment. You've listened well. And when we sing, I want you to come. It's the Word of God. It's not just my ideals. My responsibility is to tell you what this book says. My responsibility is to come and explain to you what God is saying in His Word. That's my responsibility. But bear in mind, it's not my word. And it's not just my opinions. It is the Word of God. And God's Word to us is never to be taken lightly. We never take lightly what He says. We never take lightly when He says it. We never take lightly the things of God. We're never to take these things lightly. Will you obey God today if He spoke to your heart? Will you come? If you're in this building today, you're unsaved. Will you get up out of your seat and come? Let us take the Bible and show you from the Bible how you can go to heaven when you die. You may be here today the first time you've ever attended here. I'm going to invite you to come. Invite you to come to the Lord Jesus. And as we sing in a moment, I want you to get up out of your seat and come. My wife is here. Aaron is here. Terry's here. Others are here. And they'll meet you as you come down the aisle. I'll point you out to them and they'll meet you and they'll take you. And they won't embarrass you in any way, but they'll show the, take the Bible and show you how you can go to heaven when you die. And we sing in a moment. I want you to get up out of your seat and come. If you're here today, you're not living for God. The day's the day you ought to come back to the Lord. You ought to listen to his word and listen to his warning. It's a payday. Now it's the time to come. Say, I want to give my life to the Lord. I want to serve God. I want to live for God. I want to honor God in my life. Because you cannot take sin lightly. Don't take, you can, but you don't want to take sin lightly. And somewhere, God will deal with it if you don't. Why don't you come and deal with it today rather than leaving it up to God to deal with it? You do that? Then there may be those who want to come and unite with our church and you want to be a part of this fellowship. You've been coming and you feel like this is where the Lord is leading you. We invite you to come. Just come right down to the front. Take a seat. We'll get the information we need from you. Whatever the reason, you come today. Jesus, you've spoken to us. Thy word is your word to us. You've personally spoken to us. You've directly spoken to us through your word. Therefore, what you've said is very important. So help us today as we listen and hear from this warning. God, may we never take lightly what you've done for us. May, may we never take lightly our sin, but may we love you and serve you and follow you out of gratitude for what you've done. 
So deal with hearts. Speak to hearts now. In the name of Jesus, we ask these things. Amen.